three. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest edition of the Skewed and Reviewed Skewedcast. This is uh, the Memorial Day weekend, so it will be just Justin and I as Michael is uh, heading out of town and Joseph has something he is working on. But we've got a lot of great stuff, and I wanted to uh, thank you guys for listening. Now, uh, as many of you know, my name is Gareth. I'm the creator of Skewed and Reviewed, which you can catch at sknr.net. And we have Skewed and Reviewed, the magazine, currently working on our June issue. And uh, also, Pinal Central, P-I-N-A-L Central.com, keyword skewed, uh, is the 20, well, 12 papers and 21 markets that we do coverage in. And, of course, BJ Shea's Geek Nation on KSWFM. You can get the simulcast on our page or go to ksw.com, uh, follow it in. We cover movies, games, travel, entertainment, hardware, television, pop culture, conventions, and so much more. And, of course, being the holiday weekend and with uh, more people traveling this weekend than last year, uh, things are very uh, busy, to say the least. And um, Legoland California has got something that'll be of huge interest. We were invited to cover the grand opening ceremonies. We get uh, often invited by various parks to cover some of their um, events, so we were always happy to do so. And Legoland has a brand new land called the Lego Movie World, and this is at Legoland California, and it just opened this past week. So what it offers is the largest expansion in the park's history. It has six interactive attractions, including Emmett's Flying Adventure Ride, and I'll get back to that in a moment. And then you have uh, various things uh, re uh, such as um, interactive areas where kids can go and build their own things. But, you know, from a ride standpoint, you have Unikitty's Disco Drop, which is a smaller version uh, where you get on the chairs, they go up and they come down. So you don't have the thrill, uh, you know, the terrifying aspect of it. It's uh, more fun, ideal for family. And then um, it spins and it bounces, that sort of thing. There is uh, Benny's Play Ship. There's Queen Whatever's Carousel, which we rode, a lot of fun. And then there's uh, You Want to Build Zone, where you can sit and, uh, well, stand and take Lego bricks, build various things. And there's Emmett Super Sweet, which is really cool because you get to meet Emmett and various characters. Some of the dining options include um, Cloud Cuckoo Crips, Benny's Rocket Fuel, and Everything is Ramen. And it was a lot of fun. We went over there in the morning. We got to enjoy the uh, grand opening ceremony with various characters, dancers, a lot of music. They had the president of the park doing the address, uh, had a nice reception for us. And then we got to um, have a look at the new attractions. And since we'd never been to Legoland California before, uh, my wife and I got to go through and experience some of the other uh, attractions. So I'm only gonna focus on one right now before we get to the rest of it. But it is Emmett's Flying Adventure. And this was the first thing we went on. This is what we were all told was the big uh, new attraction at the park. So if you're familiar with soaring over California, soaring over the world where you sit in a row of chairs, they go up into a viewing area and it simulates lighting over various attractions with certain scents and sensations. 
similar concept but different this one is got three tiers to it and so we were on the uh, lower tier and you sit in the chair it tilts back slightly and then it rotates it doesn't lift up into a viewing area we rotate it into a viewing area where you saw the screen and we then flew over various things such as Bricksburg flying over the water, flying over the forest, flying around in space with Emmett and various characters from uh, the Lego films. Now, what was interesting about it was it had a scent to it. So in one area, we smelled candy. When we went over the forest, we could smell pine. When we went over the water, you got a little bit of a misting spray. You could smell the sea spray, so on and so forth. Very interactive. It was a lot of fun. And it was interesting because for us, this was our first time on a ride since uh, December of 2019. So even though we had our masks on and everything, it was absolutely thrilling and it was just great to be able to cut loose and uh, do that. So if you get a chance to make sure to check out uh, Legoland California, not only do they have the park, they have the Sea Life Aquarium, they have a water park, they have two themed hotels, and there was a ton of stuff. Cannot wait to uh, go out there and take our granddaughter because that is going to be something else. And uh, Lego Movie World is now open, so if you're a fan of Lego, fan of the movies, you definitely want to check that out. So, Justin, we had a couple of big gaming reveals this week. First off is Dying Light 2. So why don't you tell us about it and your impressions? Yeah, so um, Dying Light 2, um, obviously a sequel to Dying Light 1. I, I, I'll be honest, I have not played Dying Light 1. I've heard good things about it. It's just... Um, um, zombie zombie stuff like I have like an interesting relationship with it because um, I, I like a lot of zombie fiction but I kind of got burnt out on it uh, some years ago so um, so I haven't really uh, delved into it like usually um, a zombie story or zombie game zombie movie uh, really has to set itself apart um, in some sort of really kind of crazy unique way um and i'll then i'll usually check it out but um i have heard a lot of great things about dying light one um you know and having watched the the gameplay demo for the second game um it looks like they're really um going all out on you know making it bigger and better in just about every way that the first one um uh offered so it's much it's much larger um they uh, there's, you know, a number of, of, of more, um, uh, parkour elements. Uh, it seems like they're, they're really kind of going all out on, on movement, um, and just making everything that the first game had just much, much larger, much bigger, uh, much more developed. So, uh, it does look really cool. Um, and you know, I'm, I'm honestly, I'm, I'm pretty interested to check it out just cause it's, it seems like the way that they approach this is instead of going in a completely kind of new direction, they're just going to iterate on everything that, that worked really well with the first game and was really popular with the first game and really kind of um, develop it even further. So I'm looking forward to it, honestly. Like, it, it uh, I want to see more of it. Um, it seems very polished. Uh, it has great visuals. Um, and, yeah, I'm just uh, interested in checking it out. 
great thing about it is we saw it at E3 2019, Michael and I, and of course, um, did an interview about it. And there was a lot of uh, speculation when things got quiet. Uh, I had speculated that perhaps it was being adjusted to better take in the features of the newest consoles. And, you know, as I pointed out, that when Dying Light shipped, it was for PC, it was for uh, the newer consoles, and they had plans to put it for the older consoles at a later date. Those never came to fruition. And so it was very interesting for me to see that when they announced that it will be coming out on December 27th uh, of this, excuse me, December 7th, 2021, it is coming for PC, PlayStation 5, and Xbox Series X and S. But then PlayStation 4 and Xbox One. So it was very interesting to see that while there will be um, next generation versions of it, the older generation is also getting theirs at launch time because um, that was one of the biggest issues with the prior version was that it was considered to be too ambitious and that it would involve scaling back the game too much to play on uh, current editions. I remember uh, one of the, the with Call of Duty, they had to put one out that played on the prior version and it was extremely scaled down. It didn't have a campaign. It didn't have nearly the fidelity of the online maps and that sort of thing. So from that point onward, all future ones were on the current generation uh, only. And what I think is very interesting, too, is that the pre-orders are up. It's been selling very well, from what I understand. And then they also have collector's editions, and those have been extremely popular. So I'm looking forward to seeing more about this. I'm hoping we see some more with E3 Online and the Summer Game Fest that's coming up. But, um, you know, at least for fans, the speculation, I mean, yes, there's always the issue of, well, it can still be delayed, that sort of thing. But I think the fact that the company has come out and given us a date in December, this is not like them coming out and saying, oh, it's going to drop in July. And then all of a sudden you realize, you know what, we need more time. I think by giving a December 7th date, they do give themselves enough time to get that, get the game out. And now it's just a matter of waiting for it to come, waiting to see what the final version is like. And of course, if it's anything like the original, they will support it beyond belief with tons of updates as well as all sorts of new content. And uh, hopefully it will be everything that fans want and more because it certainly looks like it. Moving on, we have um, the new trailers and information on Far Cry 6. And this one has been announced for a while, but now we finally get a look at the gameplay and some of the elements that are going to be part of the game. It is going to be coming out uh, in October. And uh, Justin, did you get any uh, impressions off that from what you saw? Yeah, so it, um, you know, it, it takes place seemingly in a, uh, I'm, I'm pretty certain it's a fictional um, country that's uh, like an island nation um, in the Caribbean. Um, I know, like Far Cry, the Far Cry series, it's their setting is kind of pretty important to them. Um, that's usually kind of what sets each game apart is where where each game is set, um, which is, that's something I really like about the series in general. Um, 
similar to Dying Light 2, it seems like this game is really iterating on the formula um, that uh, that made Far Cry very popular to begin with. So it doesn't seem like they're going to be really changing all that much. Uh, it, it really seems like it's this is just the Far Cry game you, you would kind of expect. Uh, it looks... It, you know, visually looks very, very impressive. Um, you know, it's uh, got a lot of, you know, vehicles, movement options, uh, weapons. Uh, it looks like, you know, you're you're basically taking the role of a of a guerrilla fighter uh, fighting against the um, the uh, the regime that kind of controls this this particular uh, island nation. So, uh, if, if you've played any of the other Far Cry, recent Far Cry games, it seems like it's it's very much in line with with the rest of the series as it stands so far. Um, but it looks good, you know. It looks it looks polished yet again. You know, I think Far Cry is kind of one of the the big franchises for Ubisoft that um, you know stays pretty stand like pretty um, you know plays their cards pretty close to close to their chest. Kind of you know they're they're very uh, I don't want to say samey, but um, you know they they they're kind of stable. They just uh, they they know what they that they want in their games, and they just kind of uh, iterate on that. One of the interesting things about the Far Cry games I find is that they've not they keep a formula, but they are not against experimentation with it. For example, in the first game, there was a lot of uh, for some people, it was a ambitious and taxed certain systems that were available. It had a massive map, which, you know, for that time, a shooter having an open world environment as large as, as it was and as detailed was unusual. Um, you had vehicles, you had also you had a you know a very big storyline, you had an interesting character. And what is interesting is that they don't necess- they do not keep using the same character over and over in you know the second game they had the african setting i wasn't as big with having to pop the malaria pills all the time and trying to find them for me that kind of slowed down the narrative of the gameplay but it was still an interesting take a lot of people point to far cry 3 and say this is this is the one this is the standard very fun uh far cry 4 was very good and then for me the last two uh i'm not mentioning Far Cry Primal at the moment and so believe me I know it's in there I'm just uh, talking numerically I like the idea that Far Cry 5 had with the cult and with the large open world setting in Montana I like the uh, sequel that they had for it the DLC was very clever Uh, you had one on Mars you had all sorts of creative stuff and so with 6 it looks like they are definitely working on the best of what makes this series popular, but they're trying to go out of the box with it in terms of you got a Caribbean setting, but from what I'm hearing, you can do the missions in practically any order. It's not so linear. You have options such as animal sidekicks from the dog to um, the alligator. So that, you know, Chorizo the dog is very interesting. You also have the alligator. You have uh, the various characters in the game. You have the vehicles in the game, which are a mix of old and new. And then, of course, 
what is really interesting from the trailer is the crafting. Now, crafting weapons and items is not new to Far Cry. This is something that has uh, been done before. But what was really interesting was that you could do things like make a machine gun out of a motorcycle engine, using a CD player to do a disc launcher, things of that nature. That was extremely appealing. The fact that they have multiple versions of the game, uh, that's pretty standard now, but that is also an interesting uh, situation. Having a charismatic bad guy, that has always been a staple of the series. And uh, Giancarlo Esposito playing the bad guy, that is going to be very interesting and a very... Um, uh, you know, engaging character, Anton Castillo, that just, you know, there's a charisma about that. And then you have this whole thing about his son, Diego, uh, and, you know, how are they going to go with this? There are elements that you can apparently play as co-op, and I'm, I'm extremely intrigued about that. And uh, just, you know, so much to it. And, uh, you know, the makeshift weapons, the flamethrower that they showed in the trailer, I just, uh, being able to play as either a male or female character lead, uh, this is going to be really, really interesting, and I cannot wait uh, to see what they have, because, you know, the Far Cry games have always been very popular, and I just really, as I said, I really got all in on Far Cry 5, Far Cry New Dawn, and uh, cannot wait to see what is next. Well, up next for us, we are going to discuss some really big news, and... Uh, this week, it had been rumored the company was up for sale for a while, but uh, nearly $9 billion later, Amazon has purchased MGM Studios. Now, this gives them control, uh, somewhat control, we'll discuss that in a minute, of franchises such as RoboCop, James Bond, Rocky, Creed, and several others. And uh, on the radio show, uh, Rev and I speculated about some things that may be coming. Before I get into my take on it, Justin, what what do you think about all this? Yeah, I mean it's a it's a huge purchase. Um, you know, I think this is one of those another one of those big uh, buyouts that I think we're going to see ramifications for for a very long time. Obviously, I think MGM, uh, obviously huge uh, production company with a lot of different properties here, and the thing about Amazon is that. Uh, you know they're they're really kind of trying to rival uh some of the biggest giants in the industry um you know with with uh, with what they're kind of ramping up um it's still taking them quite a long time to really kind of ramp up all the production that they seem to be kind of going for um a lot of their i mean they haven't really done a lot of movies yet they haven't really they're they're really just starting to get going on their their TV shows um, as part of their streaming service. Um, you know, I, I think we've only kind of seen the tip of the iceberg of what, what Amazon kind of has planned. Obviously, well, we know what they have planned. We haven't really seen the fruits of, the, of that yet, though. Um, you know, they're working on some very, very expensive projects, uh, and we haven't really seen what they those look like yet. So... I think we'll, it'll probably take a little while, you know, just like what happened with Disney and Fox. It took a few years for, um, and, you know, and we're still not really, it still feels like we haven't 
that hasn't really been finalized yet because we haven't seen a lot of the Fox properties uh, through Disney yet. Uh, a lot of that stuff is still being worked on. Um, it's still kind of a work in progress. So, you know, I think we'll have to kind of wait and see. But, you know, it, it, the other part of this is that uh, this is just something that happens in the, in the, in the industry. Um, you know, there's um, big buyouts like this all the time. So um, it doesn't surprise me, I guess, from that perspective. I think that, you know, um, we haven't really seen a lot from MGM in a while. But it is, you know, historically also pretty interesting just because, you know, MGM has been around for so long. So um, the fact that they're... Um, that they're uh, uh, that they're gone now is is kind of a big deal, but you know uh, we'll, we'll have to kind of see how how this plays out and what what Amazon does does with all these properties. But it's probably going to take a few years. What is interesting to me is that you would see studios um, being acquired and purchased. It just seems like it's more of a trend now, and I think part of it is because. Uh, value is high with the streaming services, and I think some of the studios have sat there and they realized, especially in light of the COVID situation, that with so many streaming companies out there, they are willing to pay top dollar to get this content. And, you know, we talked a while ago about the new James Bond film, No Time to Die. Apparently, there was very large offers in the couple hundred million dollar range to get it onto streaming and the studio refused that due to its high budget and the word we were hearing is that they needed 500 to 600 million dollars to ensure profitability and what's interesting about this purchase is everyone's like oh it's coming to amazon no that's not the case the distribution rights to the james bond films are still held held by a production company Amazon cannot say, okay, from now on, all James Bond films are coming to Amazon Prime. It can't be done. These, this other company has the rights to say, nope, these are all going to be theatrical. They've already come out and had a statement and said, we are planning the James Bond films. Their future now and their long-term future are as theatrically released projects. doesn't mean to say they might not come up with something like Son of James Bond or mrs james bond or something like that as a streaming project but the core james bond films uh are going to be theatrically based for this uh going forward now what is really interesting about it is you look at the various titles so i look at it and say well we know there's a creed 3 in development that's going to go there you have things like Silence of the Lambs, which is uh, streaming on um, uh, CBS All Access, Paramount Plus. Uh, season two will be exclusively streaming. And there's all sorts of talk that they are limited into what they can do. They can talk about Clarice. They can't talk about Hannibal, that sort of thing. But what I found really interesting, and MGM has a very large catalog. I mean, we go back to The Wizard of Oz, that sort of thing. I look at RoboCop, there was all this discussion that there was going to be another one of those coming. And considering how the last reboot of RoboCop in, let's be honest, RoboCop 3, didn't meet the box office success that the studio was hoping for, I could see this being a 
project that they say, hey, we're going to do a TV series or we are going to do um, uh, theatrical films. And, you know, as I pointed out to the guys on the radio, I said, don't rule out this being a precursor for Amazon expanding their business because everybody said, well, they're going to do this and they're going to do that. And I floated and I'm not saying it's going to happen, but I floated it as a possibility saying, what if Amazon decides to get into the theater business? There's a lot of theaters out there right now that are hurting that uh, are available. I know of a few chains that had to close up. We know about chains that had to go through bankruptcy protection, uh, reorganize and stuff like that. What if Amazon decides, you know what, we're going to redo the movie going theater and we're going to put these things out there. The whole thing about studios not being allowed to own theaters is gone. That went bye bye. So could we see something where Amazon starts to buy up theaters and says, if you want to see any of these MGM films, this is the only way you're going to see them. And oh yeah, by the way, we'll throw a few of our exclusive things in there from time to time for those who don't have Amazon Prime. And then they could possibly take it even further. For those of you that aren't aware, in Seattle, they have uh, essentially cashier-less, uh, employee-less stores where you walk in, you can grab whatever you want and walk out, and it the system they have in place is so accurate, it tracks what you have and immediately charges your account. And I said, imagine a movie theater where your ticket purchase, your um, concessions, all that was essentially self-serve, you know, don't have to deal with cashiers, whatever. All of these things could be in play. The common belief is that they're getting all of these to increase their um, offerings on their streaming service. But, you know, again, you always have to keep your options open. And now that you have this massive catalog, you have options to say, okay, we're going to license out certain films to our competition so that we can recoup our investment uh, for a limited time, because ultimately we own it, and or we're going to start developing sequels to all of this stuff, or even, you know, let's play hardball. Oh, company XYZ, you want to stream The Wizard of Oz? Well, we're going to need this, this, and this available on Prime, plus this much money. I mean, they're, you know, as they always say, having assets is never a bad thing as long as you have a plan to use them, and it will be very interesting to see what they do going forward. So we're going to conclude our segment this week uh, with uh, a little bit about how we started. We talked about Legoland uh, opening up Lego Movie World. And now we have news that with um, Disneyland opening Avengers Campus at Disney's California Adventure, there's supposed to be a dedication ceremony streamed on June 2nd, I believe it was. Uh, they are going to be opening the park to out-of-state guests uh, as of June 15th. Now, currently, uh, Universal Studios, I believe, has changed and allows out-of-state guests with proof of a vaccination or negative test. Legoland, uh, SeaWorld, and San Diego Zoo does that. Have not heard what Knott's is planned yet, but at least there's a template in place here. And so uh, 
we've also heard that cruises, there's going to be some test cruises going out next month. And the assumption is that this summer cruising is going to resume June 15th. Uh, Justin, what do you make of this? Yeah, you know, uh, they this goes to the uh, the meme, uh, nature is healing, so to speak. Um, you know, I, I think this is kind of um, sort of a natural uh, result of of some good news you know it's uh if you if you continue to look at uh the the case levels of covid like new cases pretty much everywhere in the united states is uh going down has stayed down um you know it's still kind of a concern there's there you know even in our state here it stayed very it's you know i check it every day it's it's still it's very low it's uh as low as it's as it's been and it's consistently low um the one concern is is it's not going any lower than that it's just sort of kind of steady uh which is still good but you know um it does kind of show though that uh things are kind of settling into a uh, into i guess what what can be expected into a new normal you know as uh people get vaccinated uh it's it's really you know it's always been the only the only thing that was ever going to resolve the situation was uh, large amounts of people being vaccinated so that we can kind of return to normal, you know, and I think a lot of these companies are kind of, um, you know, <laughs> eventually you can you can only stay closed for so long before, um, you know, you really have to kind of um, figure out a, a safe way to open up and uh, and really make money because that's that's their purpose. Um, and I think that's kind of what we're seeing. We're seeing a lot of these companies finding out a way or finding a, a way to kind of open safely and basically, um, you know, um, find a way that that's that they can get customers in comfortably um, and uh, and and feel you know pretty decent about it. And I, I think I think they're there. I think we're we're just about there. You know. Um, there might be some disagreements on, you know, maybe they should wait a couple more months, but I think we're, we're, we're very close. Um, we're very close to, uh, where we need to be, I think for, for a lot of these different activities. So I think it's good. You know, it just goes to show that, um, you know, there is a light at the end of the tunnel, so to speak. And, uh, hopefully these, these things don't, um, result in, you know, spikes and case levels or anything like that but um you know i think uh, i'm feeling pretty good about it you know i i'm even myself um getting more comfortable to uh to do to do things just because you know i'm vaccinated and um you know i i think i i'm just about ready to start you know going to the movies again and things like that so hopefully uh we, you know we kind of continue to see more more of this uh just you know, and I do think it's it's smart to kind of test the waters first, to kind of see how it goes, and then um, kind of go from there. Yeah, I think you're hitting it on the head. It's a matter of comfort. Uh, as I mentioned, when we were uh, covering the park, when we were doing the grand opening ceremonies, obviously people were masked. They had about 350 people in the area, they said, and it was... Um, uh, some of the staff and obviously the people doing the presenting as well as the invited media and we were all masked and so on and so forth and I was having a conversation with one of the employees and she was very nice now she had her mask on 
we were probably, yeah, I'd say three, four feet apart and that sort of thing. And there was this little voice in the back of my head going, well, this is going to be an interesting test for the vaccine, isn't it? And then I realized, yeah, and, you know, you've been going to movies. And, yes, I still wear my mask uh, always. And I am taking a, a cautious approach. But I, have, of course, have started to do more stuff. I mean, I uh, my situation was they made the vaccine available to me um, early, like January, February. So I obviously went out and got it as soon as I could, as you know, as soon as the doctor said, yep, it's safe, go ahead and do it. I went out and got it at the first opportunity. Um, but it had been not business as normal. Uh, you know, there were certain things like, okay, maybe we could go take a visit and go see uh, the grandkid. Uh, we had some, excuse me, we had vaccinated family members uh, visit a few weeks ago. And then, of course, we had a resumption of in-person screenings. But those have all been very uh, select. Press only, have to wear your mask, can't bring a guest. We had one that had um, did allow a guest and had a few people from the general public allowed to attend. And that was a bit iffy because they were telling people, you got to wear your mask, got to wear your mask, unless you're taking a quick bite or a quick drink. And there were people just sitting down, college kids, masks off the whole time, no food or drink anywhere in sight, went through the whole movie without masks. Then we heard yesterday that various theater chains are dropping the mask mandate. And, you know, it, it was kind of like my wife told me, she said, essentially what they're doing is they're punting. They're saying to the public, you've been told what you need to do, mask up, space, vaccinate. If you choose not to do any or all, then that's on you. You assume the risk. The rest of us are moving on with our life because at this point, you know, the, the magical number that I know everybody was trying to get to was 70%. And the last I checked is there's somewhere around 56% vaccinations are slowing down. So now you're having states offer incentives. I don't know if you heard about Ohio. Uh, they're having various drawings for fully vaccinated people. A woman uh, recently won a million dollars. Somebody won uh, a full um, full scholarship for their four years of college, that sort of thing. Other states are getting into it. We're hearing stories about certain companies may start offering incentives to employees, that sort of thing. Um, you know, stay out of the, the political side of that. The point is we're moving forward. Now, uh, my biggest concern is that a lot of people are who have chosen for whatever reason not to get the vaccine, who don't want a mask, who don't want to take it seriously, are going to be running around saying, oh, yeah, 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 I'm vaccinated, I'm vaccinated, that's why I'm not wearing a mask, when most stores will not check and compliance is going to be an iffy thing, which again comes back to the original point. It's a punt, okay? It's on you. We have been told that apparently California, who is doing so well with things, are apparently looking at June, July, uh, being able to offer conventions again. Obviously, it's going to take a bit for people to book them. Uh, but again, we're hearing stories that to get in, you're going to have to mask, you're going to have to show your vaccination, that sort of thing. There is a resumption of normal. We have heard that, uh, yes, there's reduced capacity at them. But we've heard that theaters are doing fairly well this weekend. I've heard 
Quiet Place 2 is exceeding expectations. We Michael said he went and saw it Thursday night, and the, the Alamo in uh, our local his local market was absolutely packed. Uh, but he also said people were not masked. And so you kind of see the yin and the yang. Now, by contrast, Cruella, which has a $200 million price tag, hasn't been racking up the massive numbers. But the flip side to that is it's on Disney Plus under Premier Access. So you could see people saying, not sure I want to take my family of four, five, uh, six to the theater and do, deal with all of that. Uh, but I'm happy to pay the $30 to sit at home and watch it a few times. So I think in the end they're doing well. June is going to be a very interesting month. We have fantastic, uh, excuse me, Fast and Furious 9 coming out. You have uh, several other films. July has got The Jungle Cruise uh, coming out. You have Black Widow. And so it will be interesting to see where we are with things. But it does uh, look well. I mean, I see it as we're, we have more options available to us and to us safely than we did a year ago. Uh, hopefully things move forward and we're not going to see this massive new wave that pushes things back. But see, again, the argument is a new wave doesn't affect vaccinated people as much as it would the others. In theory, uh, this is all a wait and see. But for now, the uh, CDC and companies have given people who are vaccinated the green light. They came out and said, if you're fully vaccinated, enjoy your Memorial Day weekend. And, uh, you know, we'll see. And so that's that. Uh, I know next week is going to be very interesting because we will be having the uh, lead up to E3, which is now uh, about two weeks away, if my memory is correct. And so uh, we have the pre-show uh, week for the media, and then we have the um, main show itself. We've already seen some things like Dying Light 2, Far Cry 6, which was amazing. I kind of thought that we may not see these or hear this news until the actual E3 showcase, but a lot of good stuff ahead. And we will discuss that next week when we have the full cast. We'll have the uh, discussion about what we'd like to see for E3, what we're hoping to see, so on and so forth, as well as news of the week. Justin, do you have anything else you'd like to add before we wrap things up today? Uh, no, that you covered. All right. Well, folks, you have a very safe and happy Memorial Day weekend for those who are stateside. For those of you who are overseas, have a fantastic weekend. Take care, and we will talk to you all next week.